see how he continues to throw in this system. Nice ball ahead by Smith to Vondervada. Orlando City crashing the box. Sylvester on Chris Mavinga. Crosses in. Akindeli scores! Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show where we are all back in full force, ready to talk about Orlando City winning against TFC, the Orlando Pride winning against the North Carolina Courage, the OC Academy 23s winning, the Central Florida Panthers losing, uh, and then anything in between that we decide to talk about, including our weird news and red cards per the usual, we are with... Gavin Eubank, Kyle Foley, and Brad Newton. My name is Austin David, and we are going straight into talking about the win versus Toronto FC that Orlando City had this past weekend. But first, guys, how's everyone doing? Pretty well. Pretty well. <clears throat> yeah, doing uh, doing not so bad. I guess that's good. Kyle? Doing... Very nice. Very nice indeed. Doing. Okay. Nice. I don't know how much of that is convincing, but let's let's get into the talking and we about will as good uh, as, as about as good as we can be for about three o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. Fair. Fair. Yeah, I'm starting to hit that midday lull. I had a big iced coffee from Panera and it's like wearing off now. <laughs> Yeah, I just had a patty, and now it's now I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> so let's talk about Orlando City beating Toronto FC in the traditional Oscar Pereja way, one nothing. Once again, an early goal by Orlando City. Teshawakandele heads a ball in from Sylvester Vanderwater to give them a one nothing lead in the twelfth minute, and from then on, a lot of defense. And with another different back line than the usual. So, very interesting game. We were all there for it. We had a very interesting experience that we'll talk about right now, actually. Guys, we, we got to t- attend the game as fans. And it was a very exciting time for us because we got special seats. Thanks to our anonymous benefactor. Thank you, Brent's Yeah, mom. special seats indeed. Just as good as those was... I mean, the game, it, a very good game. Obviously, Orlando came out on top, and that's kind of, you know, the most important takeaway there. But like you said, it was – it went down to the wire. I mean, six minutes of stoppage time is, you know, ridiculous in its own right. But Orlando had that one nothing lead, and it felt comfortable all game. But the second half, Toronto kind of really took control and really putting Orlando on the back foot, and especially as we kind of got down into those closing minutes where – you started to worry that Orlando might concede because they were bending a lot as far as like defensively. Toronto was putting a lot of pressure on them. But in the end, this team is probably one of the strongest, if not, I don't know if it's a stretch to say the strongest team, so I'm not going to say that, but Orlando's one of the best defensive teams in the league and they showed it yet again with this performance. Yeah, and Antonio Carlos, team of the week. For the back-to-back times, uh, Pedro Galese also made the bench. 
mm-hmm, which was unfortunate mm-hmm. considering the last couple seconds of the game uh, where he basically kind of took over and saved Orlando from conceding as as he is supposed to do but he did it in very dramatic fashion put it that way mm-hmm. and that's the second or third weekend or yeah third week in a row that he's had big saves late in the stretch yeah he made a couple of big saves throughout the night like you said he had those those big ones at the end and then there was that one in the first half where it was one of Toronto's like really only good opportunities that they had in that first half where it's a uh, I don't remember who shot the ball but it's a shot gets deflected and Glesse kind of like Going one way has to stop. Kick makes a kick save, really good. Kept her, kept Toronto off the board right there. I mean, you know, we got the MLS salary dump last week, and I know we talked about it, but this guy makes four hundred thousand dollars. Like that is for for what some teams spend on goalkeepers. Like he gives them half. You know, half. Most of these teams get half the production that Pedro Glesse gets, and he's on one of the best contracts in the league. So you know, constantly a standout job. And he had it again tonight or on a Saturday night with five saves. So, and speaking of the back, Schlegel line, had a save off the line too. Yeah, uh, Schlegel Jansen had a couple of big stops, especially that one also in the first half. It didn't look like it was gonna go in, but it was a ball coming across the line. Um, Glesse was was ripped out of goal at that point, and then you know Jansen comes flying in, kicks the ball out. Um, so yeah, a, a couple of those goal line saves. I mean, the defense just in general was so. I'd say Schlegel got nutmegged a few times, but on the other side, Kyle Smith back at right back for Huan, and he was lights out. I wouldn't say lights out too, but he had a very good game. Um, nine tackles. That was a game high. He was really put against uh, under a lot of pressure by Jefferson Soteldo all night long. It just felt like they were on the on the closest side to us for that whole first half, and it just felt like Toronto was really trying to play through him down there to get at uh Kyle Smith, like that, he was constantly on the ball. It felt like, but uh, he held up, and you know, the back line did in general. Yeah, they at, at times it looked like they were rotating back between when Orlando City had possession, they would have a four back, and when they were defending, it was a, it was more of a three back, right? Or did I? Or is that the other way around? Am I thinking? Yeah, no, that's pretty much kind of how Orlando City plays at this point. Is no matter who's over there on that right side, I think most scenarios, you know, obviously who wants over there, and that's kind of like the like the the way I see it is you know they have a defending shape and then they have an, a, an attacking shape and that attacking shape is definitely a, in some cases a, a three back scenario two back scenario where you know those fullbacks are really pushing high which in this case obviously Sluggle's not going to do that so you had Kyle Smith Orlando was kind of shifted to the left side and just letting Smith push his way up there and kind of be all alone on that right side um but yeah the three back for the most part but they drop back in when they uh, they have to defend, which is interesting because the the goal from Tesho started out on the right side there with Kyle Smith too. Yeah, it. Um, I think it was someone in the middle. I don't remember who made that original pass. I, d- I haven't watched really any of the replays. Um, but yeah, it was that that play in the middle, and then it get well. No, the goal from Tesho was um, played out to uh, Vandervater. Yeah, it was Kyle Smith to Vanderwater. Played it out to Vanderwater, okay. and then Tesho finished it. Yeah. Tesho making a good run up the middle, pretty much unmarked in the middle of the box to it. You know. Yeah, that was that was really bad defense by TFC. <laughs> like they, it was it was him and who else was in the box with him? There were two players in the box with him, and I think it was Urso or Mueller, maybe. 
Either way, it was bad defending on Toronto's part, and Orlando capitalized on it. And sometimes you only need one, which think, is exactly what Urso. they got. I think Urso was in the box with them. Yeah. yeah. I think Urso made like a late run behind. Right. He Tesho drew he drew of... he drew the front center back away and left yeah. Tesho completely unmarked, even though he was fairly unmarked <clears throat> at the beginning of the play. Well, it was a smart play, too, because if Tesho doesn't get around to that, then he's right there to pick up the, the rebound on it, too. Yeah. So let, let's talk very quickly about Sylvester van der Water. We, we kind of mentioned he got the assist, but he got a start for the first time in his Orlando City career, made a good impression for the game that he played. He came out a bit early. Um, you know, he's not 100% 90 minutes fit just yet. But he's getting there, stepped up when you you didn't have a guy like Nani, and you know he he played a, a solid 59, 60 minutes. I'd say the the one opportunity he had like early in the match before, where the, he tried before, to volley it. Yeah, like it, that was just slightly off, and if that goes in, the stadium explodes. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean it was very early in the match. You have that player making that play to basically to start out the match. Like it, it did not take very long for him to get that involved. Yeah, so, that was that was in the eighth minute where he uh, he tried a, a volley where Chris Mueller got him the ball and like he just struck. Did not it. miss by much. No, nope. did not miss by much. Yeah, what's impressive there with that too is he only had twenty seven touches, which was the fewest of any of the starters. He only had uh thirteen thirteen passes. I mean, he was by far the least involved on the ball player, and yet here we are still talking about how he had all of these opportunities, all of this impact that he made. Um it I mean it it ex- it really excites you to think about what he's gonna be able to do for this team moving forward. Um I mean, especially at a time where you have obviously Nani out. You know, we talked about like where the depth is on this team. I mean, Nani was out. Chris Mueller has not been himself this year. Mauricio Pereira hasn't caught up to speed yet. So to be able to have a guy like that come in who is also kind of acclimating himself still, um, it's very impressive. Yeah, and and as we talk about Sylvester van der Vader not having many touches, he also was tied for the most shots on the team with three with Tesho. So even though he's not touching the ball very much, he's still getting opportunities to score. And that's, that's very, very big. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Chris Mueller and how he hasn't quite gotten up to speed just yet. And I, I don't know. Should, I mean, should you be worried about Chris Mueller at this point? He's got two assists to his credit this year. He doesn't have any goals. He's gotten some good looks on goal, but he isn't quite the same player that he was starting the MLS's back tournament, which then led into the rest of the MLS season. I mean, I'm not super worried about it because I just think that we've we've seen a lot of different looks so far from Orlando City as far as like formations and, and who's like starting in, in offense so far. So I think once there's a little bit more consistency and and once you know Chris gets a little bit more time and gets a little bit more acclimated, maybe uh, he maybe grows into the season as his form you know starts to improve a bit. Uh, he looked like he knew he did not have a good game on on Saturday though, so that's 
I think he's I think he knows that he's not playing to the level that he could be playing at. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's really just like one of those things that like you you sort of expect to see him grow into the the, the year. Yeah, it's interesting to note that in his last three games, he has had zero shot attempts. Yeah, and that's just yeah, surprising that because he's he's the kind of guy that can create his own shots. And I think just what the issue has been is that he's he hasn't been able to do that. I mean, he Richie Larea had him in his pocket all night, and it was no right. I was gonna I was gonna say Chris he's, tried to do. He was he was getting shut down, and there was a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. where he would get that one on one, and then Michael Bradley comes in and closes down in him. So suddenly it's a two on one, and that just makes the situation so much harder for him. I mean, I was going to say pretty much what Brad says. I'm not worried because I think we've seen this from Chris. He's he's kind of an up and down player at times. And, you know, we we know what he's capable of. And that's been the case his entire Orlando City career is we know what he's capable of. It's just a matter of him having the confidence to be able to do those things and just being in the right form to do those things. I mean, you look back at that MLS's back tournament, he, he went off in those first early games. He was scoring all these goals. And that... that momentum just carried over to where he he had the confidence he had the touch and he was firing on all cylinders I think that's just kind of what he needs is he needs to have that one good game where it's like all right yeah Chris is back this is the guy that we know this is the player that was an MV you know that we were talking about as a possible MVP candidate last year I mean and and to allude to Brad's point too it's even if he's not at his game I mean like I said also Orlando has the options to kind of be able to to work around that you know hopefully they don't have to but it's certainly a a tenable situation that they're in and again as long as Orlando City is winning there's no pressure on Chris Mueller to perform and to score and to be the player he was last year which can be a a good thing but I feel like it helps it helps everybody else yeah I think it helps him him. (laughs) It helps him that it's not just him. I mean, Orlando in general, they're they're obviously not lighting up the board with goals. They hit that one game against Cincinnati, but that's Cincinnati. You know, for the most part, they haven't been an offensive firepower like we saw last year. And that's for a number of reasons, Chris Mueller being the least, one of the least of those problems. So I think it helps him that Orlando, you know, like I, like I said, that you don't have Nani. You, you were without Pereira for the first couple of games of the year. All of these guys are not really themselves and yet they're still winning games you know they don't have that star striker right now and and they're still undefeated through six games so I think that takes that helps take a lot of pressure off of him knowing where it's like if it as if it were all right everybody's firing on all cylinders Pereira's being awesome Vandervutter's coming off the bench and doing this Nani's you know scoring bangers every week and then you have Chris Mueller over here who's struggling whereas it's kind of a little bit of everyone has is contributing to this lack of offense right now. So it's not just one player so that, you know, it helps take the focus off of Chris and his performance so far. And I, and I think you know, seeing a little bit more consistency, like seeing Mauricio Pereira play some more minutes, like in the middle alongside Chris and, and having Nani back after the next match, I think is, is going to help out that with that and seeing his form grow. I, maybe even Vanderwater, you know, getting a little bit more time playing together with him. I mean, there's there's a lot of offensive options that could really, you know, with a little bit more time and a little bit more consistency can really help see him really start to get his form back as the year goes on. Yeah, I mean, think of all the different lineups that we've seen so far. I mean, defensively, the team has been almost 
the exact same every week, but it's up top where Benji Michelle starts, you know, Pereira was out those two games. So we got different guys in there. Nani was out this game now. So like Vandervelder starting this time, Mueller's on the bench in one game. So it's like, there's a lot of rotation going on. And I wonder if that's either Pereira or Oscar Pereja going with what he thinks is the best lineup for that specific situation. Or maybe he is trying to find who, all right, who's going to, you know, what is the best pairing for this team right now because obviously they're not they haven't been fully healthy or they haven't all been available so it's kind of like just trying to pick and choose who he can put in these situations and say all right well this is what we got now let's see if this works let's see if that works you know kind of um the upfront hasn't been consistent so far and that's you know it's not necessarily a bad thing because you you want you want to see what works early on in the season to that what's going to help you down later down the road yeah it's it's one of those things where just getting a little bit more consistency, I, I, I think, is is probably the key there. Right, and again, yeah. it's it's early in the season. You too early to start freaking out about Chris Mueller, but it's just worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, no. Definitely worth mentioning. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to just not notice when you're playing, and, and kind of the same thing with with Pereira. You know, Brad and I were talking during the game. It's like it's just the little things, and I think that's kind of where Chris is at. It, you know, it's it's the little things that. You normally you're used to seeing him you're used to seeing him be able in those one-on-one situations or you're used to being able to see him get that cross off and it just it's not all quite there at the moment or there's that also moment where it, um and there's a and there's a few it, players uh, that are like that Mauricio Pereira yeah. being another one mm-hmm. um, I mean there was that one yeah. moment um the Schlegel it might have been Schlegel or someone you know kicks the ball down and Chris starts running and he just loses the ball and it hits him right in the back. And like immediately he knows, like he, you know, he pulls up and he's, you know, yelling at himself for it because it's just things like that where, you know. Well, that, I mean, that's that's one of those things where you just can't control because Schlegel yeah. put the ball a little bit too perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of expecting it to drop over his shoulder, but instead it hits him in the shoulder. Right. And in that scenario, too, you know. That's Rodrigo Schlegel, who is who can play left back, but is not typically, obviously, playing at left back. So it's just kind of that chemistry of, um, I'm going to do this, but Chris doesn't know that. And you know, from yeah. Chris's view, is I don't know what he's what he's thinking in that scenario. He right. He it's, probably it's thinks because the center backs out. are typically kicking those long balls. He's not expecting a short pass like that. Yeah. And to be but, fair, uh, Rodrigo Schlegel, he has played in a variety of positions. Yeah. And he has thrived in every one of them like it's it's been oh, yeah, it, no, it's very interesting down him. no but it's very interesting i just want to go back to schlegel and kind of praise him a little bit because he has played in he, he the very much the poppy i can do that mentality where he they tell him hey go play here and he's like all right i can do that yeah and then he just goes and and succeeds in it like he was very good as a left back and this the the way that Orlando was playing, where they they had the four in the back defensively, and then Kyle kind of shifted up, and they moved into a three back when they had the ball, where they had good defensive cover when they turned the ball over because they had three center backs essentially. But then when they were back in their defensive shape, they were still a bit more. Uh, they had a lot more coverage because they had not only the four in the back, but then they also had the two. Uh, defensive midfielders that you know junior urso played well but i i really do think that sebas mendez had was one of the best players the other night simply because of how involved he was getting in every single play in the midfield 
Yeah, I mean, what else is new? I mean, this guy is, it's almost like a weekly uh, a weekly tweet now at this point where I go back, I look through stats, and I say, there's Sebas Mendes again. I mean, what is it? He um, he led the team in touches. Here, let me find the stats. Um, he had 86 touches, five tackles, three interceptions, two clearances, 94% accuracy on 66 passes, and he was also 9 for 11 on his long ball passes. So, I mean, not only is he everywhere, but he's making all the plays. Like, this guy... I don't, there's really not much more we can say because we say the same things, like we sing the same praises about him every week. But yeah, I mean, a workhorse and a guy that just makes this team so much better, especially defensively. Cause you know, you talk about the cover that they have and he, he's a guy too, that is always when those fullbacks push up, typically it's not, you know, the three guys standing there, he's dropping back in. He's providing that extra kind of defender on the back line to provide that cover. So he does so much and it's just kind of, Going off what you said about Schlegel, you know, the whole attitude kind of about this team and really for anybody that's going to play for Oscar Perez, yeah, Poppy, I can do that. You know, he's going to ask him to do something and these guys are a thousand percent committed to following through on that for him. That's exactly right. And that buy-in is why Orlando City is undefeated in their first six games. Yeah. Speaking of Orlando City as a team, uh, while we were sitting in the stands the other night, we saw not only... Uh, Flavio Augusto da Silva, but we also saw Alex Leitao and two members of the Wilf family that were sitting with them. And that was the first time we actually got to see some of the family buying into Orlando City that actually attended the game. Kind of nice to see that that you know they they were there to see a a winning product. Yeah, it was uh, Mark and Jane. Who were there? Yes, thank you. I was trying to remember who the name of the people were. Yeah, it's a, a winning product, another limited capacity sellout. I mean, that was that was that the last one was, that they'll have this know? year. Because yeah. they'll be back to full capacity next time in a month. Well, we'll I'm interested to see what it, what that game looks like if they get get a sellout. How big? How packed the stadium's going to be? That'll be fun. And I mean, for a stadium that was had an announced attendance of like just over 11,000, which is their, which is what they're saying is a sellout for their limited capacity. I mean, it was a, it was, it was loud. Um, you know, the wall is always going to be the wall. So that's, mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't really change I mean, from match to match, but 11,000 like, like that, that, like when you look around the stadium, that sounds light, doesn't it? Like, I don't think that it didn't feel like more than half the stadium was empty. Like, not even just from, like, a sound perspective, but just, like, seeing all of the people there. Like, yeah, it felt walking, like a lot bigger than 11,000 people. Yeah, walking around before the match started, I, I definitely felt like there was a lot of people in there. And that's not even, like, and that's what the, the gates just opening, like, a mm-hmm. couple minutes before. So that's that's not even, like, thinking about a full capacity stadium. Like, that's going to be insane once that opens up here uh, next month. Yeah, I th- I think part of why it felt more full than it was is because of the way everybody was spread out. They were spread out within different sections, but not just like hey, only these certain sections are being used. It was spread out through the whole thing, so it looked like I mean, even even around where we were sitting, like it wasn't a full section. We didn't have people directly on top of us, but the area itself was pretty crowded. So I think that makes it look more full the- than it is. 
there's that and then go, going back to the wall though i've i glanced over at the wall a couple times just to see like you know how full that looked and it it looked pretty full over it did. there yeah especially like but, right but, in the middle part of it yeah as i was gonna say it looked full in the middle on the lower half but the upper half seemed relatively empty so had that been spread out more it would have it would have probably felt the same way which i mean it's general i mean right that's it's a standing it's a general seating standing section so that's of course that's that's gonna look like congregate in, in an area where people are gonna want to stand i i i will say i did not realize how much i missed hearing live sports <laughs> and sports fans and the whole like game day atmosphere i did not realize like we kind of take that for granted watching stuff at home and, and i do still enjoy watching stuff at home because it's just a bit more comfortable and cheaper to eat and drink but there was just something special about hearing the crowd, hearing all the chants and the songs and all that stuff going on. It was a, it was a real neat thing to, to finally get to go back and experience again. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it's not like he had to pay for food and drink this time. That wasn't the point. There you go. <laughs> last thing I wanted to mention, or last two things I wanted to mention in terms of Orlando City currently, uh, the Nani suspension. I know it happened the day before the game on saturday it happened on friday that they announced it but i wanted to talk about it because i wanted to get your thoughts on it i wanted to get your opinions on just the the general attitude towards orlando city and and that it's suspension yeah it's pretty ridiculous i mean if you like i could i wouldn't be cool with it if it was one match because it's like all right well that's if that's how the the rule is written fine whatever i'm not thrilled about it like look at the spirit of what was going on there like nanny was trying to defuse a situation there he was trying to you know say like trying to get separation between the ref and uh, i forget which orlando city player was going on andres Perea. yeah so uh i think just trying to just trying to be a veteran in that in that situation and being the captain of the, the squad and just stepping in there and trying to to defuse the situation because the, there was no follow-up between him and the ref there. I mean, he got a yellow for it, but uh, after that, I don't, I don't remember there being much of an incident. So I think that was one of those situations where like, yeah, he got a yellow. So he got what he was going to get out of that. And so that, that was that like that, that, that should have, that should have been the end of it right there. Right. And so if you look at the letter of it, I mean, thinking back to like when Kaka touched Aurelian Collins face, <laughs> Which is just them joking around with each other, but then he catches a, a a red card for it. Like, it's just another one of those where it's it's stupid that they're they're so literal with the interpretation of how that that rule is applied. You know, I didn't even get a piece of you. I didn't even get a piece of him. <sighs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. I'm pissed now. <laughs> Guys, any any one want to chime in? I, I mean, and we kind of talked about this the other day. I think the big thing is I, I understand by the letter of the law you have to give a suspension because he did make contact with the referee. So had it been just a one-game suspension, as the explanation being this is the letter of the law, there was contact, therefore there has to be punishment, it would have been less egregious because we would have gone, yeah, okay, maybe the rule needs revisited, maybe intent has to be factored in, but that is the letter of the law when you give a two game suspension, you're not just doing what is the letter of the law. You're going above and beyond. Well, I actually for no particular reason. When you, when you quote the letter of the law, the letter of the law is because they missed the red card. They have to give a two game suspension. I believe. 
I thought it, I thought I thought the letter of it was up to. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was. They have to give to. I thought it was up to. That could be also, but I, I I do remember when I read the the law, like when I was going through it when they announced it, I was like, okay, so because they missed the red card, they can give up to a two game suspension. Which well, it, it, it doesn't make sense at all there. Well, because it's like, right, oh, well, right. instead of you know, because he didn't miss some of the game at the end, that would have been a suspension. So they give another game to make up for the last few minutes of but, the game that's he didn't also, get sent off, which is also I mean, that's dumb. Also, right, that whole thing is the case of like, would would the referee on the field not have the best judgment of we- of whether and how he was touched? Like, this isn't. We're not judging a tackle. We're not judging offsides. We're not judging a handball. We're judging was the referee t- was the person who gets to make this decision touched, and what was the intent behind it or whatever. And so when the referee goes, no, it it wasn't. It wasn't malicious contact. There was no issue there. <laughs> but it's it, yeah, it is ridiculous. Uh, the more the more I think about it, the more ridiculous it gets. And and the the players' association nailed it in their response, which was, while I expected them to come down on the side of of Nani and of the side of the players, to to come out that aggressively for him is a very good thing obviously but not something you see too often from players associations to come out that like basically just this is this is complete garbage is the worst thing we've ever seen will i get over it Mm, no but life goes on it's the right way to think about it actually well either way we will move on as life goes on. Just very quickly, wanted to mention uh, Jao Moutinho and Juan's injuries. Uh, the reason that Jao Moutinho was not in the 18 the other day was simply because he felt a little bit of tightness uh, right before the game. And so being that he came off a very serious and long-term injury, they decided to play it safe and held him out. Juan, similar thing, just felt a little bit of tightness and they didn't want to risk it, so they went with the lineup they did. And we will know more about latest updates and injuries later in the week, which, if you don't follow us on Twitter, do so. Do so for all the individual people as well, because we will have updates, or at least I will have updates uh, of the injuries. Which, Austin's brought this up before, if like you don't follow us on Twitter. If you don't, I have no idea how you found this show. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Some people post links of it somewhere, and other people just discover it. I do share it with my local quilting group on Facebook every week. All right, last thing about Orlando City I want to talk about. Daryl DK. First off. Bring him home. He's coming home eventually. He played as a substitute in Barnsley's 1-1 draw, which ended up being an elimination because of away goals or just general goals because so just on uh, aggregate yeah on aggregate away goals Swansea 2-1 right Swansea 1-2-1 Barnsley season is over Daryl DK's loan is over however he's not coming home just yet he has been called up to the U.S. men's national team camp where they will play Costa Rica now Greg Berhalter 69 dudes (laughs) 
Greg Berhalter, the coach of the U.S. Men's National Team, talked about Daryl DK. He said that he'll travel with the U.S. Men's National Team through the camp. He'll play against Costa Rica on June 9th. But they did not pick him for the two Nations League's games because of form. He said it was a very tough decision not picking Dite and that he has a bright future with the U.S. Men's National Team. But he said it uh, better form for other players at the time. Probably also because Daryl DK has has also you know been playing for a year straight basically, which makes sense. So that game against Costa Rica is when June 9th. 69 dudes. The national team plays a friendly. They play a friendly, I believe, against Switzerland on the 30th. That game DK is on the roster for. Uh, several days later, for June 4th, I believe, is the Nations League that DK is not on. And then a few days after that is when they play another friendly against Costa Rica. So right. DK. And the point is that he will travel. He will travel through all of that with the team. He'll be on. He'll be with the like practice squad, but not with the team itself. Which, regardless, Orlando doesn't play again until the nineteenth after the Saturday. So if DK is to return, he would return to Orlando with about ten days of rest. Well, less than that by the time he gets back to Orlando. So yeah. I. Probably, if you see DK again, it might not be until late in June. If we see DK, yeah. which given given how they're they're easing players into the season so far, I mean, it, I wouldn't even think that far ahead. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we don't see him until July at the. Yeah, earliest. I was gonna say July third at Exploria against the Red Bulls could be a a viable start point for DK if he were to continue playing with Orlando. Oh, could also be he gets to Orlando, Oscar asks him how he's doing. He says, I want to play right away. And that could be a different story. But, you know, if you're look, if you're playing from the, the, you know, the cautious side thinking like, yeah, the club's got to give this guy a break, then probably July sounds realistic. Or that last game in June in Miami. Yeah. Might be something worth asking Oscar Pereja about. Yeah. I think it might just be too early to start asking him about it because he'll just say, "Ah, oh, well, we're we're talking with him, and he's gonna." And especially he's gonna if he's not bad. even there, he's not even there yet. Yeah, so he I he don't... hasn't even figured out if he's feeling good. Like you know, wait until he comes back from the men's national team camp before we start asking Oscar any questions about him because he won't be able to judge if he's they're gonna rest him or play him until then. I mean, I'm sure he has an expectation at this point. I'm sure the club. But he's has he's a not going to share it. He's not going to share it until DK yeah, is back. We'll see. Come on, you you know, you know. All right, that's it for for Orlando City for this week. Uh, they do play uh, the New York Red Bulls over the weekend. Um, should be a good game. Red Bulls are decent. It's at Red Bull Arena. It's only this like third game that Orlando's played away from home this season, and this is probably the farthest they'll actually be traveling. I personally wouldn't call the Red Bulls decent. Now they are a team capable of beating Orlando, but they have not been that great this year. Um, they they've had moments where they've that. been good. Like they have they have talented players. I believe they lost Aaron Long, didn't they? And that they did. That has, that is big for their defense. Aaron Long really out for the season. Them, yeah. This past weekend, they played against a very good New England team, 
As a matter of fact, Weren't Andres they also Reyes down to ten men. For like they did, yeah. Andres Reyes, minutes. yeah. So Andres Reyes got a red card, which means he'll be suspended for the Orlando City game. He was their other starting center back, which means they'll have two backup center backs for this game against Orlando City. Yeah, I mean they've already lost four games, four out of their six games so far this year, so they're not off to the hottest of starts. I mean, no. Got a new head coach. They're still trying to figure things out. I get it. I mean, Orlando, typically, too, their history at Red Bull Arena is not bad. I mean, they go there, and for some reason, they, I mean, in New York, against the New York teams in general on the road, Orlando's always kind of had a positive history. So, I don't know. I think this could be a good game. Are we Are we going to say that Another it, uh, Oscar Red Bull Special. Stadium is Orlando City, is Exploria Stadium North? I don't know if we're I mean, ready to say it, that yet. Similar to how Explorer Stadium is just kind of bringing in everyone, Red Bull Arena is also the same. So, I mean, it's fair. Yeah, it's a good comparison. NYCFC is going to be playing there this year. Let's say the Toronto, not Toronto, Montreal made it their home last year too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So. Or was it so, Toronto? You know. I think Toronto played in Connecticut. Yeah, that's you're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. I think Vancouver also made it their home? Maybe? No, no, Vancouver was playing in Portland. Okay, okay. Yeah. Why would they cr- travel cross-country? I don't know. It, it seems like the kind of thing where I, I don't know. For some reason, I thought maybe like all of the Canadian teams were just kind of huddled up together. Because all of Canada is the same thing. Sense. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't have made sense, though, to put a West Coast team all the way to New York. Some very dangerous thinking there, Gavin. All the English-speaking parts of Canada are basically the same. I was going to say. <laughs> There's some very different parts. I mean, to me, like, Canada is just, like, three different cities, and then that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, does anything exist in, like, the northern half of Canada? Just, like, across yeah. the board? Uh, anything Edmonton. relevant? Yeah. They're in, like, northern Canada? Uh, Winnipeg. See, if you would have asked me to point it out on a map, I would have just picked somewhere, like, just above the border. Somewhere <laughs> no. in the middle. Yeah, no. Winnipeg is pretty far up north. Huh. Surprising. Alrighty. Shall we move on to the Orlando Pride, who also, by the way, won a game. Their first hey. of the season. Uh because they've only played two games this season. So they're undefeated on the season, you guys. The Orlando Pride, undefeated on the season. I would like to reiterate that. They are the first team to beat the North Carolina Courage in North Carolina in over 1,000 days. Oh, my bad. I I had Winnipeg and Edmonton flipped in my head. (laughs) Winnipeg is not really that far up north. Come on. I give give this whole thing about Orlando Pride winning... (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's that 1,071 days, 23 unbeaten in games. Yeah, but it's it's very important that we don't anger our Canadian listeners. So we, I, we, we have to. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm with Brad on this one. We got to make sure we we correct the the location of cities in Canada. Uh, fine, fine, fair, fair enough. But can we also talk about how the Orlando Pride have four points on the season, beat one of the teams that usually never loses at home, and the fact that. Sidney LaRue and Alex Morgan both scored in the 2-1 win. What year is it? Uh, I've I've been 
I've been very high on Sydney LaRue all season so far. I'm really happy to see her back in form and really like being the player that we thought she was going to be when she first arrived here. Like she's, she's really sort of found her form at the start of the 2021 season so far. Like even going back into the, the challenge cup, she looked like she was generating a lot of the offense for the pride. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of, like when the Pride were coming into the Challenge Cup last summer and LaRue was getting ready to make her return from her second pregnancy, like this is kind of what I was hoping would happen is that she would come back ready to just, you know, hit the ground running and prove that she can still do this, um, you know, at this level. So to see her be able to come now even farther down the road from that point and being successful right off the bat is it's great to see. You'd like to see it. You indeed love to see it. Mm-hmm. And you also yeah, love I to mean, see the fact that Alex Morgan scored in back-to-back games, which her goal the other night was ended up being the game winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if the Olympics go on, which you know people in Tokyo don't want it to, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, obviously, she's going to miss you know considerable time this season, but... If she can maximize her time with the Pride, I mean, it's going to outweigh how much she'll probably end up missing. I mean, she's obviously off to a great start now, and that's really all they can ask for is that she's just giving it everything she has, you know, while she's on the field here. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, and for the courage, like, it's it's kind of surprising because Lynn Williams and Dabinia both played the full 90 minutes. Um so not sure what happened. Oh, we there, forgot really. to mention too, Austin, you forgot to mention the Pride won this game and they didn't even play football. Yeah. They didn't even play football. <laughs> I, I was going to get to that because Paul Riley, the coach of North Carolina, is very much mad online. Second week in a row we've had an online, a mad online coach at Orlando. That is very fun to see. You know, every everybody hates Orlando apparently. Uh, Paul Riley, head coach of North Carolina Courage says and i quote they've changed their philosophy completely from two years ago when they were artists and trying to play out the back all the time but they're certainly not that they're very direct and they don't play any football whatsoever so basically he's saying why aren't the orlando pride doing what they were doing two years ago when they were bad how dare they be actually good and beat us that that yeah. you know read through the lines obviously also i would like to point out that sydney larue uh posted a picture on her instagram uh so like the team when they show up for training they have like a little like thing of donuts to celebrate or whatever uh in their kitchen and they have very directly a bulletin board full of bulletin board material and steph young who posted that quote from paul riley uh her tweet is printed and posted on said bulletin board with an arrow pointing to the scoreline. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Paul Riley basically walked out there and said, first of all, how dare you try <laughs> to come play soccer you. against us? Try to be so, good. So have you seen this this whole exchange that basically happened? Uh, Alex Morgan tweeted at the Orlando Pride account, Good Footy Wins Games, after the, the Pride account tweeted, Good morning to who... Good morning to who played football and got the dub last night. And then Alex Morgan tweeted, good footy wins games. Um, 
Anthony DeCicio tweeted, NWSL can benefit from a little more banter, a bit more sniping, lean into the drama playfully, which was liked by Paul Riley. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So it's all part of the game, huh? So, he's yeah, he's definitely not mad online, for sure. The pride the pride being good, yeah, I mean, it, it's good for the NWSL because they're just a team that kind of feels like, along with Portland, that, well, I mean, anybody hates the good teams. Like, Portland and, and uh, North Carolina are obviously, like, the two probably most disliked teams but like well did you do you hear what Megan orlando's up there about, when they're good Portland? but orlando's never good so it's just it's not like yeah it's not fun to hate on them because they're just so bad especially because well, you know now they it's funny you the, mentioned portland earlier because Megan rapino said thorns are always assholes everyone hates them they have the best stadium the best fans yeah <laughs> i mean everyone does hate them I mean, they're the ultimate fan base, though, of, like, they can dish it, but they absolutely will not take it. No, and they also definitely do not have a high-profile person who, well, in this case, owns the team who gets mad online. Oh, he, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, they definitely are not fronted by a man who is constantly mad online. Yeah, he's, 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 guys... basically, he's basically the league's most prolific poster, and it, and it really shows, like, year after year. Do you guys remember how Merritt Paulson said he was going to take a break from Twitter and it lasted all of like two days before he started shitposting again? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that. he really gave Chrissy Teigen the inspiration for that. <laughs> yeah, um, but pride courage. That is a rivalry that the league has needed to come back, so it's good to see that back. Yeah. I mean, heck, Orlando Pride, when, when the courage moved down to North Carolina, the Pride were the first ones to beat them in North Carolina. Like, Camilla had, like, a screamer of a shot. They won, I think, like, 3-1 in that game. And people were like, oh, my God, Orlando, what? And they were the defending champions at the time, too, right? Yeah. So it was a, it was a big result for Orlando at the time. Uh, yeah. That was 2017, I think. And that was the year that Orlando Pride was good. Yeah. It was yeah. the start and, of well, them being I mean, good. You know, that th- here's the thing. I want to just point something out before you say what you're going to say, Brad. The Orlando Pride's first big result in 2017, the year that they made the playoffs, was beating North Carolina in North Carolina. Just saying. Mm. Eyes emoji. Brad, did you want to say what you were going to say? Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where, where you look at it historically. Yeah, that's that's a team that has matched up pretty favorably against the Courage in the past. Um, so, it, It's a weird Thing that that's the case though isn't it like because even even last year in the fall series they drew both times they played the courage yeah and that's that's the fall series where they had like no one on the team basically right and then they also drew in the challenge cup this year mm-hmm. in north carolina and this time by the I way got their number this time by the way they won without ashlyn harris in goal aaron mcleod got her first ever start with the pride it has been Quite a long time since Aaron McLeod has actually played in NWSL. It it, it don't it's been quite a while. The last time yeah, she played don't. the last time she played in an NWSL game was September sixth of twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's huge. Um, when looking at former uh, Pride Courage results, do yourself a favor and don't look at twenty nineteen. Just as as a as a general uh, bit of advice, like don't 
don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I do that in general um, with all the Pride games from that year. Yeah, it's a safe bet to to not to just believe that that didn't happen. Yeah, but don't 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 forget that. Um, Paul Riley said that that year was they were supposed to be playing and making art. Um, and why why couldn't they go back to that? Obviously, we were at the games. We couldn't watch this. Um, so it's interesting to just look back at the stats of this. I mean, North Carolina dominated possession 60-40. They outshot Orlando 16-11. to They had 10 corner kicks to Orlando's three. I mean, this it sounds like it was not an easy win for the Pride. So the fact that they were also up 2-0, you know, through to what, the 88th minute? I mean, that's surely encouraging. Encouraging where they were against the courage. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Skidder might be making some art after all. He might be uh, proving some doubters wrong. It's two games, so we'll not get ahead of myself. Right. I would like to point out the fact that uh, I'm looking through the the stats here for the pride. They, when you look at like some of Opta's graphics, they show like which side of the field they like to play through. So you have like three arrows that play through either the left, center, or right. Orlando Pride's attacks were 55% on the left compared to 22% through the middle and the right. Like that that's a a very massive discrepancy going to the left. And I would like to point out that um Merritt Mathias and uh Caitlin Hamilton or Kristen Hamilton were the ones that were on that side. So obviously they saw something in there. And also the fact that Sidney Rulu was there, that they wanted to try and play more of. But quite literally, the Orlando Pride's entire like eleven, like their average position is all just shifted to the left. Like that right hand side is just completely empty. Taylor Corniak was supposed to be playing as a right winger. She was basically playing as a central midfielder. Like the only one who actually I mean, played on the right hand side was Allie Riley. Anyways, with the Orlando Prides win, they now get to play a midweek game against the Portland Thorns. Hooray. Um and this game's in Orlando though, right? It is. So, so Portland yeah. is traveling to Orlando. But Portland is also very, very good. Just, you know, continuously want to point out that the fact that, yes, Portland is quite good. I mean, here's what excites me. I mean, Orlando's coming off a game in which they've already pissed off the head coach from the other team. Yeah. And now Portland's coming in having been pissed off by the team they just played. So, I mean, the perfect storm is brewing here if the Pride want to take advantage of that and just go full shithousery on Portland. <laughs> Which, if there's a team to do it against, it's them. Yeah, I mean, no. It, it, when we speak of Merritt Paulson, like, Thursday morning, Matt Online, that that's a win in itself. Yeah. They did just Even lose like premature playoff two appearance. one two. Yeah, to the rain. They did just lose two run to the, to the rain. Yeah, Mega Rapino even yeah. scored. There weren't any goals past the 15th minute in that game. And by the way, Danny Weatherholt, former prime player, had the game-winning assist in that game very interesting uh 
match there. But again, Portland has players like Megan Klingenberg, Crystal Dunn, Sophia Smith, Christine Sinclair, Morgan Weaver, Lindsey Horan. They, they've got very, very good players. Uh, yeah. This is going to be the biggest test for Orlando by far. But thankfully, it's at home and not in Portland. Mm-hmm. I think that'll well, play I mean, the last time the Pride were in Portland, I believe, was in the 2019. And that was a game they almost won, right? It was like a real back-and-forth contest, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure it was like an ESPN game, too. So it was on national TV. Uh, I think Marta might have scored in that game. I think someone on Portland, I believe, scored late. I think the Pride took a lead, and then it was taken. Yeah, it was. uh, That's right. Yeah, it was super back and forth. So it was like three. It was like three two. Then Aaron Greening scored in the ninetieth to make it three three. And then, uh, what's her name? Tyler Lucy scored in the ninety fourth minute to win the game for Portland. Yeah, but it was super, super for like super back and forth. But yeah, that was the last time. July fourteenth, it was on ESPN News. That was the last time it was uh, the Pride played in Portland. It feels, it's crazy that that game was almost two full years ago. But like, doesn't feel like it because we pretty much skipped an entire year. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it just happened. Yeah crazy times but not only do the pride play this wednesday but they also play over the weekend so talking to to mark skinner last week i asked him you know how do you prepare yourself for playing very quick games because they play portland at home but they also play kansas city at home so they have wednesday then sunday and then they get a week off in between games but you have to be able to kind of measure yourself. And I think that's why you didn't see Ashlyn Harrison goal today. Just give her a quick break, get Aaron McLeod some minutes. Why not? Uh, Because you have teams like Portland that may pepper your goal quite a bit. And you need a player like Ashlyn Harris to be, you know, a hundred percent fit and healthy to be able to just palm those away. Like she has in, in past games against very good teams where she basically is a, where's my defense? Why am I saving 20 shots? I think we're going to see a bit of a different lineup against Portland and then an even different lineup against Kansas City. But I'm interested. This is going to be Mark Skinner's like first test with his, quote-unquote, his team to actually see what he's able to do lineup-wise with a supposedly deep team against some good teams. There you go. That's the Orlando Pride. Let us now move on into the other Orlando teams that have been playing in town the oc academy 23s they won pretty handily against atletico orlando six nothing atletico orlando funny enough coached by a former orlando seawolves assistant coach and a few former orlando seawolves players also play on that team uh unlike the other team that the oc u23s played against being the cfl ghost of spurs that beat the Academy 23s that had former Orlando Seawolves players on it. This time, it was not the result that those guys would have wanted. And again, 6 nothing. Uh, it was 2 nothing early on in the game, and then the Academy 23s kind of broke it wide open 
and did not look back. And so the Academy 23s only have two more games left in their spring season. They play Leg AZ International on Wednesday, June 2nd. And then they play Inter Jacks at Osceola Heritage Park on June 5th, which is this Saturday. Now, on to the other similar-leveled team. The NPSL's Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers, they went on the road to Naples City FC, and they lost 2-1. to one. Uh, They were without a number of their main starters for the game. Will Johnson didn't travel. Uh, guys like Beto Idrach for UCF didn't travel. So they had a bit of a different lineup. Uh, Will E. Yang, who, if you've been around Orlando City for a long time, you would recognize the name, maybe, from the first year of OCB. He was there. He played and almost scored a couple times. But uh, bad second, ha- bad first half, better second half. And the Panthers unable to get back-to-back victories after winning 6 nothing. So they get to play on Wednesday as well. So not only do the Pride play on Wednesday, but also the Central Florida Soccer Club Panthers play on Wednesday. Their game is at home at Showalter Field. Um, I don't know how many people will be there because of the Pride game. However, they're going to be playing the Miami Dutch Lions, which is a thing. If you've been around uh, USL for a long period of time, you would recognize the Dayton Dutch Lions. Uh, They were a team back in the day. Uh, They have a multitude of other Dutch Lions teams across the country, which is very interesting. So the Dayton Dutch Lions still exist as a team, but they also have a multitude of other Dutch Lions teams. Which is just really weird. Yeah, interesting. Aren't so, the Dutch Lions like some big, uh, let's say like religious? Yes, yeah, so I, I guess. So they have the like Houston, something like that. They have the Houston Dutch Lions, the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, the Florida Gulf Coast Dutch Lions, the New York Dutch Lions, and then the Miami Dutch Lions. And just by the way, most of the people that are involved in these clubs are all from the Netherlands. Go figure. That does bring a fun throwback to the USL days. It does. When they were uh, terrible. Yeah, they weren't very good, were they? No, not at all. They were, I mean, they have a logo that looks like FC Cincinnati, and you can pretty much compare them to FC Cincinnati as a USL team. Right, but because Cincinnati and Dayton also have the whole Dutch thing going for them. I was going to say, they do have a Cincinnati Dutch Lions. They do, yeah. But also, the Dutch Lions were there before FC Cincinnati, so who ripped off who? (laughs) It's important to note. All right, last thing I want to talk about before our weird news and red cards, U.S. Soccer. They are breaking from their marketing firm that they have had for a number of years. Was it Soccer United Marketing is what it's called, I believe? Mm-hmm. That is interesting because some, as it is kind of friendly known, they also handle MLS. So now the big question is, what does that mean for U.S. soccer? Yeah, 
So, I mean, essentially kind of the read that I have on this situation is that, I mean, obviously the World Cup is coming up and U.S. soccer wants to try to gain as much as they can from that and being able to control all of the, you know, sponsorship revenue and games and yada, 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 you know, cutting out the middleman, they get to keep more of that money. So it's from their perspective, I mean, it's you know bigger for U.S. soccer, but also, I mean, people have kind of been calling out for a long time how bad how kind of just tricky this partnership is because i mean you have this contract with some which is owned by the major league soccer owners i mean how is that not kind of like a conflict of interest you know if you're kind of favoring specifically like everything you do business-wise goes into this top professional league and how does that look when you're supposed to be for the betterment of the game throughout the country not just major league soccer so and for Major League Soccer, uh, some is kind of the reason why all these franchises are valued at a lot of money. Um, so that's going to be interesting, especially with the next TV rights deal coming up. MLS was obviously bundled with U.S. Soccer and the men's national team rights for the last, what, like seven years. So now that they'll have their own coming up, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting next couple of years. Absolutely. Especially with like the World Cup, like you mentioned, coming up, going to see how U.S. soccer actually handles themselves. Anyways, that is that is it for the majority of this show. Now we get into the fun stuff where we talk about our weird news and give out our red cards for the week, gentlemen. Who has some good weird news for the week? Oh, I do. I've got I've got an excellent one. Go for it. This is from CNET, our friends at CNET. They're not our friends. They don't know us. They wouldn't want to be friends with us. Uh, This smart toilet recognizes your butt and analyzes your poo for diseases. An experimental toilet out of Stanford University identifies users by their finger and anal prints while gathering data for urine and stool analysis. I am... It's got a camera... It's going to record the poo. Uh, I don't quite know what an anal print is. Uh, oh, but they have diagrams in here. So this is telling me what an anal print is. So that's good to know. There's a pressure sensor that senses your your seated time and your defecation time. This is This is quite excellent. This is... This is oh, and in the in the diagram, it shows us the stool camera, the Euroflow camera, and most importantly, the anus camera. So, keep on the lookout in stores near you. Probably not anytime soon, but I'm gonna be getting one of these that can scan my butt and tell me if my poo's good. But how much does it cost? Well, because it's being used for research now, I'm I'm sure it's outrageously expensive for them to put together but if and when this ever comes to market i'm sure it will be quite expensive but worth it you want to you want to make sure you're (laughs) there there's a quite there's a really excellent quote in here (laughs) by one of the doctors using this uh talking about how the the whole point is to provide precise individualized health feedback so we needed to make sure the toilet could discern between users as it turns out, your anal print is unique. So everybody's ass is special. 
Fantastic. All right. Uh, my weird news is um, Tinder has launched a new feature on their app called Are You Sure? Which is designed to prevent inappropriate and potentially racist pickup lines. So Tinder has launched the new messaging feature called Are You Sure? Aimed at preventing harassment on their dating app, which is trying to get users to think twice about their opening line. It uses AI to detect harmful language and potentially intervenes to warn the sender that they may be sending offensive and racist language, asking them to pause before hitting send. I don't know how much that's going to stop people from doing what they do. I just find it interesting that Tinder has been like, are you sure you want to be a complete douche and dickhead and send this? That is my weird news. Uh, I'd be interested to see if it stops. It's kind of like it's the not. Twitter it's feature. not it's going. Like, are you sure you want to? Yeah. You sure you want to read the article first before you quote tweet this? And yeah, and you still do it anyway. Like, nah, nah. No, yeah, they nah. just ignore that. So this isn't going to do anything. But I appreciate <laughs> that they're trying. I guess. Mm-hmm. Just find it interesting that they just called it the "Are you sure?" feature. Yeah. Anyways, guys, who else got some weird news? Well, I you two don't. took both of mine, so I have to find a new one. <laughs> basically, <laughs> I mean, great, I had great, I had two on deck, and you guys managed to grab it's, both of them. You always got to have four or five on deck. You got to be prepared. Amazing. Hey, great minds like, think alike, and all that. I mean, yeah, but I don't know how great our minds are. So, <laughs> obviously, amazing. I've never understood that saying though, because I feel like if your mind is great, that it would therefore become more unique, and so then you wouldn't be thinking the same things as other people. You would be thinking differently if it was really that great. If it's an average mind, then you're going to be thinking the same as most people around you. So, really, the saying should be: average to below average minds think alike. Hmm. Yeah, is it? Wasn't there a bunch of like? Uh, uh, like PSAs with Robin Williams doing his genie voice that was like great minds think for themselves I believe like you those, like those aired on like ABC's that, one Saturday morning yeah it was probably before Gavin and I were alive <laughs> um, I have Burger King to launch chicken sandwich nationwide in June so the 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 chicken sandwich wars are ongoing. But don't they already have a chicken sandwich? Yeah, but it's a really shitty chicken sandwich. This chicken, this sandwich called the Chicking, is served <laughs> on a toasted potato bun with crisp pickles and a savory signature sauce. There's also the spicy Chicking, which includes a spicy glaze, or the deluxe, which features lettuce and tomato but no pickle. From June 3rd to yeah. June 20th, customers who purchase a Chicking on the BK app or website will receive a free Whopper. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like the uh, McDonald's has always had the McChicken, but then last year they came out with their own like premium Chick-fil-A or chicken sandwich, so it's like... Highly, highly recommend the spicy sandwich from McDonald's. It's I, actually very good. No, <laughs> that's not true. It's it's mediocre at best. Um, I don't think any of these places are going to I should, not go to Chick-fil-A. Like, it's that's it's, thing, like, it's McDonald's, so I'm, I'm grading it on the McDonald's curve. Right, so, and it, yeah. on the McDonald's curve, that would mean, like, the Popeye's sandwich has, like, a Michelin star. Yeah. <laughs> 
right, Gavin. Um, Wendy's has the I best spicy have, nuggets, though. So yeah, I also have newly launched Bitcoin Pizza brand doesn't accept Bitcoin. <laughs> Amazing, Gavin. Do you have anything? You guys said all of the ones that I would have took. Uh huh. So, so no. <laughs> it feels like you're just too lazy to look it up. No, I, I mean I did look. You guys took all of, all of the good ones. I don't. There's plenty of other good ones. There's there you yeah, could do the one there. where the uh, woman trespasses in Miami High School and poses as student to gain Instagram followers. <laughs> she did a uh, uh, never been kissed, but for Instagram followers, never been for, followed. Yeah, <laughs> literally never been followed, and for clout. Yeah, that woman. Uh, they they talked about her on What a Time on the What a Time pod last week, and like her whole story is just bizarre. But see, that's but that's talking a weird about news her would be giving done. her the publicity that she wants. So, uh, well, so I can't do that. It's against my morals. Could do the uh, one thousand feral cats released into Chicago to tackle rat explosion. That was another one that they did on What a Time last week. Yeah, so I do know the story on that one as well. Uh, Chicago has a lot of rats, so they released uh, a bunch of feral cats to just go get the rats. Yeah. All right. Cool. How about red cards, guys? Who has... I got one. All right, go for it. I'm going to give a red card to Liverpool FC's women's side. Oh. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, apparently... Uh, Apparently, the the WSL has not been the uh, NWSL killer we thought it was going to be. Given how some of the U.S. women's national players that were, you know, the the big transfer targets for uh, Man City and Man United look like they're going to be moving on from their time there already. Uh, It might have just been like an emergency, like, hey, we need minutes to play and you guys are going to pay us. So we'll, we'll head over there. Like that seems to be the move, and even Emily Van Eggman, who is is not an American player, uh, is not going to be uh, continuing her time in England as well. So uh, my red card to Liverpool FC is by way of uh, Kirsty Lynette, a uh, player for them, uh, went on Twitter and wrote, "After three years at Liverpool, my time as Sally come to an end. It would have been nice if someone from the club had the decency to tell me that they were retracting my contract offer they'd previously sent my agent." I feel that after three years at the club, the least I deserved was a face-to-face meeting the moment they knew they wanted to let me go. Instead of calling my agent, uh, telling him and then asking for him to decide whether to tell me, the club called me. It's also sad that this situation was only brought to light after my agent had emailed the GM to further the negotiations. Football is football, but where does it stop? I have no hard feelings with being let go. It's part of the game. What upsets me is the club support campaigns for mental health, yet treat their own players with such little regard and respect. I'm not the only one who's felt like this either. Let's hope clubs can do better by their players during these difficult times and act with more care for people involved as manners and morals cost nothing. Now, she was not the only player who went on there. Uh, Becky Jane, uh, who also had her contract uh, not exercised by Liverpool, Uh, tweeted, unfortunately, similar to Christy, the club have retracted my contract offer in a similar way. As female footballers with zero security as it is, the least we deserve is to be treated better with respect. It takes nothing to be kind. Thank you to my teammates. Um, So, yeah, that's that's pretty huge. Um, That Liverpool just kind of went off and 
cut off cut off two of their players without really giving them much of a heads up. I don't know if the other players that they they didn't exercise the options on uh, had any more of a heads up on this, but for a club like Liverpool, that I mean, it's Liverpool. It's it's a it's a it's a, a labor. Uh, it's a very working class kind of club, and people really sort of you know have a community built around it of a lot like. I can't think of any clubs that that have a, a bigger sense of community around them than Liverpool do. Um, yeah, kind of kind of surprising on their end to kind of let their female side be or their women's side be treated like an afterthought there. Hmm. So that's my red card for the week. Okay, guys. Anyone else? Oh, do I have a red card? My red card goes to the woman seated next to us at the Orlando City <laughs> game, mm. whose name I thankfully do not know because I would probably say it here. So this woman, who by all accounts seemed to be incredibly polite, very nice in the beginning. I thought she was just, you know, just your average person who comes to soccer games, probably doesn't understand soccer much, but you come, and so thank you for that. And then... As she's talking to Austin, who's seated in between myself and this woman, Austin mentioned something about how, well, they had mentioned how their seats are typically down in the second row on the very bottom and, you know, things have been moved around because of COVID. And Austin says, you know, they've done a really good job with handling all this, which the club has done a really good job. And it's very complicated um, with moving around all the seats and dealing with all that. It's not an easy thing to do. And so he was mentioning that, like, there's a lot that they've had to do and, yeah, they've been doing all that and whatever. And this this woman goes, you know, I don't, I don't mean to offend anyone. And I immediately, my ears perk up a bit because anybody who says I don't mean to offend anybody means to offend people. Yeah, they're about to say some really offensive shit. And then she goes on to say, you know, this whole pandemic. I'm sure some people have gotten sick, but I think a lot of these numbers, a lot of this is is bullshit. Okay. And I just want to, I had to look up the numbers today because I wanted to make sure I'm factually correct on this. In the United States, 33.1 million people have contracted COVID. 590,000 people have died. And here, and here we have a woman who believes that this is, this is faked. This is not real in any way. That this was created by the government, I, I guess, or China, or I, I think it changes every week who they believe did it. And that, you know, all, all, all because, you know, her big complaint in this instant being that her seats at a soccer stadium have been moved and changed. And my heart really goes out to people who have had to be mildly inconvenienced when attending sporting events. Ignoring the 590,000 people who have died because you think this is fake. So my red card goes to her and everybody like her. Because at this point, there is no gray area. There is no, first of all, there is no believing in this or not. Because it's not a thing that you can believe in or not. It is just reality. So you either live in reality or you are a part of the process that has killed 590,000 people in America, and I think that that should weigh on your conscience for the rest of your life, but none of those people have a conscience, so it does not matter. 
because nothing matters. So I will go eat Arby's. Okay. Guys, any other red cards for this week? That 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 pretty much summed up. I'm going to give a red card to NASCAR for the uh, race that was put on yesterday at the Circuit of Americas. Um, this was a race that I've been personally looking forward to. I mean, if you don't know, Circuit of the Americas is a beautiful um, racing facility. Uh, you know, Formula One comes here for their annual race in the U.S. Uh, Austin Bold played. There's a soccer stadium in the middle of the track. That is where the USL's Austin Bold um, have been where did play i don't know if they still exist they do they still play um, there okay so they still play there at coda um this was one of a new track for nascar marquee race they've been trying to do a lot of those this year and i was really looking forward to this one because you know we don't it's a place you know you never get to see them i lo- i personally love road course racing um but it was unfortunately very rainy all weekend they tried to run in the rain and there's just not good a lot of standing water like the drivers could not see more than five feet ahead of their cars. So it created a couple of really scary scenarios. Um, one of them happening early in the race. They're coming down this really long stretch, the longest stretch on the, on the course. And uh, one of the guys, so one car crashes into a car in front of him because he was braking, couldn't see anything. Another guy comes up to him at full speed, rams into that guy. A third guy comes in at full speed, cannot see anything runs into him, nearly flips the car over. He hits his car into the wall, and then the car bursts into flames. The car exploded on him. And then NASCAR continued the race. Like, they just decided, like, yeah, no, like, we're going to keep putting those guys out there. And eventually the the rain stopped. They dried the track. It was fine. And then it started raining again. And then same situations were happening. People were put in dangerous spots. And then they eventually just decided to call the race. So uh, NASCAR admitted that they were wrong in that decision, but they still get a red card for uh, putting drivers in dangerous scenarios like that. Not good. Not good. It's not good for the fans. I mean, you want to see in any race, you want to see a good race. You want to see everyone be able to compete. And this was just not a scenario where anyone could do that. So not good. And a yellow card to Monaco for being a not good uh, racetrack anymore. Hmm. So just not 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 made for the 2021 version of a formula one car i'm also going to follow up and give a yellow card to phil mickelson for being a fraud (laughs) that's fair i mean winning winning the pga championship when he has been objectively bad like for a while and then just comes out and is like you know what i'm gonna make today about me He's a fraud, and he should do it in a real in a real uh, major. Isn't the the oldest major winner now? I, I don't yeah. know if that technically counts though, because when they were showing the, the the previous oldest, and I guess the guy who's now in third place, good old Tom, who did it in eighteen sixty seven, who they claim he was forty eight, but was absolutely a hundred and twelve, <laughs> based on the image that was shown. So not only is he a fraud, is Phil Mickelson a fraud in just being bad for so long and then magically winning a tournament, he's also a fraud because he's not the oldest. You said this was 18 what? 1867. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. I don't, the man's name anything was Anything that old happened more than Tom. 100 years ago just does not count. 
Aren't you a baseball fan? Yeah, no, it doesn't count. All right, just just check it. So no baseball, no old baseball stats count. No, uh, any sport. I mean, they. I anytime, I anytime it's... a sport is played where not everyone is allowed to play, those records don't really count. No, I I agree with you. Yeah. I I agree with you on that. But I I'm asking Gavin if he believes that the old baseball stats count, specifically ones that might include his New York Yankees. I mean, they count in the fact that they happened, but I don't. So you don't, don't count I think a, a good chunk point, of. Uh, I so think a at a certain point, we should stop putting weight into those records because I mean, and I this agree. is true for any sport. the The game is not the same game in just every aspect. Like they're playing a completely different game on a different planet. So I mean, so I I I believe that then we should comparison. we should discredit every Yankees World Series before like let's go like the seventies. Oh no! They, they a, still won those championships. <laughs> can't can't yeah, take away the twenty seven rings, bro. I'll, can't take away the twenty seven rings. I don't know. Sounds like sounds like you're pretty opposed to, to to winning things if it happened a long time ago. So I I I too am seeing this picture of old Tom Morris, and the the thing is, I think it's taken well after he he had won those the that, that I, last major. I absolutely do not. Because it was in the 1800s, and just everybody looked ancient. Yeah, I mean, a 47-year-old then is literally the equivalent of like a 98-year-old now. I, yeah, actually, you know that what? Guy was I'll on agree his with last that. Life, life expectancy, 47 years old. Life expectancy back then, definitely not what it is today. I, you know, like you know that guy wanna, I mean, it's impressive I, to win a major on your deathbed like that. Yeah, you, <laughs> you want to talk about Phil Mickelson, you know, he's getting old and his body's not quite you know, dealing with injuries as you're an older golfer. Can you imagine the types of diseases that old Tom had? Uh, ones that probably don't exist anymore. What what's the over under on how many limbs he still had when he competed <laughs> in that? Because I'm going with I'm going with setting that at, at three. I I I, mean, I don't think there's any way he had more than three limbs still attached to. Yeah, his I body. mean, we're talking about an era in which, like, a simple paper cut is probably puts your life in question. <laughs> Did he have leeches on his body when he won it? Because if Phil Mickelson can't win like that, he's no old Tom. <laughs> this is true. And you know what? I I'm I stand corrected actually. Right. What kind of golf clubs do they even use then? Like, guys, guys. <laughs> as much as I'd love to talk, uh, it was, it was, as, as much guys, as much as I, as much as I'd love to hear more about old Tom and the conspiracy. We'll save it for the bonus him. episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say we cut it off here. Uh, I don't think anyone who has listened past this point cares enough about old Tom. guys. When when old Tom won, get this: the prize fund was. The, the 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 winner's share of the prize fund was seven pounds. Austin, you're underestimating the popularity of Old Tom. Apparently, I am. I the I, total the total prize money was sixteen pounds given out at the the eighteen sixty seven Open Championship, and the winner got seven of it. What is the equivalent today's money to that? I'm also hoping by that it means they gave them that many pounds of gold. And not like using the British That's currency, right. so they just went here's seven pounds of. It wasn't even gold; it was just here's seven pounds of whatever it is that we're giving you. <laughs> All right, seven so, pounds of soup, you old man. Let's see if you ju- awesome. if you just. I'm just going with dollars. 
1859 would be worth $225 today. So not a lot. <laughs> so yes, also not a lot. Uh, well, it, if you go to 1867, uh, see the what I'm looking at on the Bank of England website is it is uh, seven pounds in 1867 would be 801 pounds and 47 cents, oh. which yeah, still not a whole lot. I forgot that the pound back in the 1860s was probably a lot more uh, worth something than dollars. Yeah, having having a bunch of colonies around the world would kind of yeah. do that. When you, yeah, when you when you've conquered half the world and yeah. hadn't given it all up yet, the pound is the the money that everyone uses. Yeah, what was? Let's be very clear. Now was, they use yeah, our that, good old fashioned American money. He won a British. Uh, Open, yeah, that they work? use American money like Dogecoin. I was gonna say like credit cards, but that works too. <laughs> all right, with that, I think we go ahead and end the episode here. We somehow oh, we hadn't gotten to an hour and a half yet, though. I know we somehow riffed for fifteen minutes about old Tom Morris and this is golf these clubs. are the important the, yeah these are the important <laughs> and to answer your question, Gavin, because I don't believe you heard me, they used Titleist back then. <laughs> okay, okay. This, Rich, R- Richard is, C. Titleist come... was the founder of the family, and he created them back in eighteen forty three. Listen, it's my dad, John Titleist. You come from is... the. You come for the soccer talk, you stay for the old Tom talk, you know, whatever. It's uh, it's just uh, that's just how things work here. I, I just hope old Tom doesn't end up like Milkshake Duck. He was a white man in the 1800s. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead it's going and to say, be, yeah. yeah, yeah, Scottish, a Scottish man in the 1800s. Mm. Say. We'll start a Patreon, some... give us money, and this can just be a weekly thing where you listen to us riff about whatever. <laughs> For an hour and thirty minutes instead. All you need, all we need, is one dollar to give us one the reasoning to do it. One dollar a year. That's it. The cheapest podcast on Patreon. There you go. All right, we're gonna call it there. So for Gavin Eubank, for Kyle Foley, for Brad Newton, for myself, Austin David. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show, where you get this kind of content every tuesday be sure to follow us all on social medias if you follow the orlando soccer show when we tweet out the show you'll see the other people's accounts that's what matters realistically all right with that thanks for tuning in and we will see you later and you're dirty brown water trash and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash